Frumful woke the trio late in the morning. The black hawk had flown in through a high dim window and wafted slowly down to where its friends had overslept. Outside it was raining again and the sun was all but missing among dark, dense clouds. The bird pecked at the numerous warts which grew upon Narwimble's scalp until the old gnome woke with an irritated grumble. Trafalgar too then rose as well. What day is it? The boy wondered out loud. Woonie propped himself up on an elbow, packed his pipe with tobacco that was all but crumbled to dust. He smoked in silence, observing his new companions. Norwimble did a squat stretch and his bones made snapping sounds. Frumful tells me that the rain is fast. We will be as wet as frogs today, lads. Trafalgar was about to make an offensive quip, something about his old master resembling an amphibian, before thinking better of it. Our young hero was learning that while laughter is universal, sometimes the humor which induces it is not. I shall double my tunic then, to keep the chill from my bones. The old man nodded and eyed the child with skepticism. Indeed, Jafalgar, but you needn't open your mouth for such trivial matters. Feeling sheepish, the boy said, You know my mind better than I do, and the boy laughed. Woony watched with some confusion as the old man and the boy croaked together and moved about like toads. The group was unaware that Veronica, queen of the white horses, had betrayed them to Warlurk's servant. And it was a good thing too, as their delicious breakfast of berries and custard would have been spoiled. Instead, the three of them ate with smiles as sweet as their treats. It was almost afternoon when they were packed and ready to depart. Annabelle walked with them down the sloping hills northeast of the castle and bid them a safe journey, shaking the rain from her mane and tail. Narwimble neighed and gritted his teeth, blowing air from his nose intensely, to which Annabelle followed suit. They did not see Veronica on the day at all. The grass was slick under their feet, forcing them to move cautiously. Narwimble had been unhappy they had squandered the morning on dreams and explained that they should make their way beyond the burger downs to Dog's Hole, where they could hold up for the evening. It is six, seven hours march, certainly no more than eight. At Dog's Hole, we could cut the soft, pliable branches of the song tree to make a lean-to so that we can be dry and warm in the evening. From there, the eaves of Zadna will be no more than two days' hike to the north. Trafalgar sighed to himself, taking a deep breath, but said nothing. 
He was impressed with Wooney's stoic approach to hard work and took inspiration from the man. Despite their long rest, he felt quite exhausted. He thought to himself, I will do what is required of me and not fret, for I am son to Pogthir, who would take shame and laziness. As he thought this, he wondered if he really knew his father at all. Ten is too young to lose a father and forget that his father was a king. The rain which had soaked his hair and ran down his face were like tears, he considered. But the boy accused himself of being dramatic and placed his sorrow at the back of his mind. Instead, he considered the role of fate in all things. Pony, said the lad, do you know of the weirding dice? Uh, uh, of course, not, not that I place much, much import upon them. Norwimble grumbled, but kept whatever he was thinking to himself. I, I do not remember, uh, how are they supposed to work? Are they not magic? No, I, I do not think so. The magic is within us. Is that right, Narwimble? My dice were the gift of the dreamer Sartsy. Surely you have heard of her. They are carved from bone. One of my ancestors, I believe. Do you know the dice have names? The ten-sided die is called the condition, and the four-sided is the judge. A person is to fill their heart with a particular desire, or, or rather a question. The purer the mind, the purer the result. Rolling the two dice together is critical. They must leave one's hand at the same moment, or the results are invalid. The condition is your answer, but the judge explains it. For instance, Wooney, let's say you rolled a serpent condition and a sail judge. You know all the different etchings, do you not? The serpent indicates adversity. The sail indicates stasis. Context matters, of course, but you would take that to mean that there will be no change, for better or worse in whatever struggle pertained to you. Only a dreamer can go deeper. Norwimble, how does the dreamer do that? Norwimble seemed agitated, but answered the boy, perhaps out of obligation as the lad's mentor. Drafalgor, it is interesting you should ask that question. I have considered the possibilities. The dreamer is able to converse with the spirit that was once bound to the bones. But do you not think it strange that you yourself conversed with a spirit only days previous? The youth felt the hair on his skin stand on end once again. What was the cantankerous old lunatic on about now? Do you mean to tell me I am a, a dreamer? Not in the slightest, lad. But you are marked by death ever since Palander was taken from your fist. You 
you have one foot among the living and another among the dead. Suddenly, the old man cried out. With nowhere to find cover among the rolling hills of Burger Down, the trio was besieged by a regiment of shadow beings. Two dozen of the shapes surrounded our heroes as the rain poured down on them. Frumpful swooped down, scattering several of them, while Woody unsheathed his blade and stabbed at others. Narwimble's eyes rolled sideways in his head, and soft green light began to glow from the sockets. He moved his hands as if he were weaving invisible yarn and mumbled incomprehensibly. Trafalgar felt the chalk earth below his feet begin to rumble. He screamed as a shadow entity slashed him across the chest, knocking him to the ground. His pack fell open on the wet ground and all of his meager possessions spilled out. Just out of reach was the lantern given to him by the Komar priestess. He grabbed the brass instrument with cold, slippery fingers and held it above him. The oil wick within caught fire and a bright yellow light poured out in the shape of a long funnel, driving back the shadows before him. The lad got to his feet somehow and turned the lantern all about him, turning in a circle and moving toward his friends. The creatures made a hiss not unlike the cracking sound of bacon over a fire, and before any of them could fully realize what was happening, they had departed. Crutlow, proclaimed an unfamiliar voice. There will return! It was a strange tiny man dressed in clothes made from oak leaves. He beckoned them to follow, and they were at his back entering a crevice between rocks. The lantern showed the way as they crawled, hands and knees taking on mud through a root-wormed tunnel, and after some time, when they breached the ground, they found themselves in a wondrous forest. The ground was dry, they could hear the rain landing from the canopy. 